0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: We're coming to you from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan studios in New York. Home is more than a house. It's a personal paradise. Get yours with Rocket Mortgage. Push button. Get mortgage. Get your Rocket Mortgage on, son. Sunday, it's an NFL and CBS doubleheader. First, Mahomes and the Chiefs open their 2019 home schedule at Arrowhead against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Should be a great game then. Bridgewater and the Saints head to the Pacific Northwest to Seattle for a late afternoon showdown with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. A full day of football starts with JB and the guys on the NFL today on CBS. Our toll-free line, 855 CBS brought to you by Geico. Great news, you can save a bunch of money. You got to switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. Best selling author John Gordon is joining us. Uh, he's got another winner out. He's been a, a bestseller six times at least. He's written uh, upwards of uh, 20 books. The guys, every book he does is a killer. Uh, it just, people love it, and teams love this guy. You name it, Uh, he's worked with all of them. It's insane, this guy's creds with teams, uh, from Dabo Swinney at Clemson to, you know, uh, the Dodgers, uh, the Pirates, the Eagles, the Falcons, uh, the Miami Heat. He's worked with the Rams. He's worked with the Chicago Cubs. He's even spent time at West Point with the Cadets. So uh, he's an incredible speaker and author. He joins us about his new book, The Coffee Bean. How you doing there, John? I'm doing good. Great to be with you. So uh, you grew up uh, on Long Island, and uh, and now you're down in Florida. Tell me, what uh, did you get out of uh, working with all those teams and, and guys like Dabo Swinney? You're around a lot of fascinating people. It has to help you uh, in some capacity or another. It does. You know, I'm there
0: speaking, but I'm also learning from every coach I work with. So Dabo, his belief, his leadership, his optimism, I've never seen a – a coach and a leader like him. He believes in his players more than they believe in themselves. Work with Sean McVay right the last three years. I, I talked to Sean when he just got the job. He was just 30 years old to see the way he has led. You know, with the Dominican Sue, Marcus Peters, to Tlaib last year in that team, there wasn't one problem, right? They were all issues on other teams. But but Sean led with such a, a great conviction to develop relationships, to invest in those guys. And then you see how he builds the culture, and now you see success, so I learned from a lot of these guys you know invest in the culture, invest in the root, develop the relationships, and you get the fruit
1: do you uh, do you like uh, when you get involved with these teams like uh, and I, when you go in there, what is the goal what is the plan when you're dealing with all these uh, let's face it, if you're dealing with all these major league teams or NFL teams, you're you're talking about a lot of, you know, wealthy athletes. And then there's a lot of that, like even in your book, uh, I think that in the Coffee Bean there's some semblance of talking about uh, the we before me. There's a lot of these guys in the NFL, uh, you, like we're dealing with now, this Brown character, Jalen Ramsey, these guys that put themselves before everyone else. Uh, you talk about that a lot. What's it like dealing with the teams and you see all these guys that could either... Uh, care less about anything you say because they got so much money. They just are like, "Who is this guy?"
0: You know, when you first walk in, they might be thinking that, but when you're sharing things that can help them improve, and you're sharing things that can help them be a great team, everyone wants to be part of a great team. You know, no one wants to be part of a a crappy team, right? They they want to be great, and so when you can help them become part of a great team, and yeah, they made a lot of money, but they all want to be some part of something bigger than themselves. And so, like, I was with the Browns this year, right, and You know, Freddie Kitchen is doing a great job developing the relationships with the players. OBJ was there. I mean, great guy, really you know, really, you know, gets a bad rap by by some people, then you're with him and you're like, Wow, this guy really cares about his team. He's a craftsman, shows up every day to strive to be great. So, you know, I've just seen like that guys that seem like they're a problem. When you get a coach that invests in them, and you create a culture that they want to be a part of, like the Patriots, you you have success. So a lot of times it's leadership and culture, but when you're there during training camp like I am or spring training for baseball, I was with the Cubs this year, tough loss tonight, right, to to see that. It's always about how we how they bounce back, how they come back stronger, and, and how they can get better. So I've had actually a lot of great experience with guys that might be considered, you know, problems in other teams or
1: poison uh you were at emory i'm i'm seeing that in atlanta did you get uh, motivated and when you were getting your master's there to start uh writing these uh great books and becoming a speaker
0: no my my motivation by the way i used to come see you all the time in atlanta when you were there so i i uh, actually was a, a fan of yours for a long time uh, so that's I was, that's I, awesome yeah i got my master's in teaching at emory and for me My wife almost left me when we moved to Jacksonville. I was 30 years old. I was miserable, negative. I had two small children. I lost my job, and everything was falling apart. And that's when I just said, what am I born to do? Why am I here? Writing and speaking came to me. Never thought I'd be working with all these teams and organizations, right? But that started me on this journey. And then I wrote a book called The Energy Bus. All these coaches started to use it. Jack Del Rio was actually the first coach in 2007 with the Jaguars, who used that book and brought me in to speak Then Mike Smith did with the Falcons. And after that, it just took off.
1: Yeah, I'm friends with uh, Dimitrov. Did they love you with Blank and Dimitrov and the Falcons and Smith?
0: They did for those first five years, <laughs> and, then, and then those last two uh, when Mike wasn't doing too well and, and, and lost his job. Mike and I actually wrote a book called You Win in the Locker Room First, right. where we talk about what went right those first five years, what went wrong the last two. He actually shares his mistakes and what he did wrong, which is actually very refreshing. And so, uh, yeah, that was a great experience working with them for all those years. I was there when Matt Ryan was a rookie, turned them around from four and twelve to eleven and five, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I,
1: I like, like those books. Like uh, I read Tillman Fertitta's book about the, you know, what to do when your business is failing. And you know, instead of all people writing about how wonderful they are, how rich they are, how fabulous, and how much money they're making, I loved hearing or learning about what to do when you're dealing with crisis and dealing with failure and dealing with rejection, dealing with, uh, you know, you're, they're going to padlock your, the doors of your company. I, I find it fascinating. You just said that you learned a lot from guys, you know, from from their mistakes and from uh, how to recover from being in a hole.
0: Yes. That's how you learn the most. Like, what did we do wrong? How can we get better? How can we improve? And so I learned a lot, and a lot of these coaches learn a lot from what they did wrong. But you're right. A lot of the books are like, this is how we won the championship, and this is all the great things I did. But with Mike in this book, we wanted to share what he did wrong. I can't tell you how many coaches have brought me in to speak because they read that book and they said how it was so refreshing to learn from Mike's mistakes. And they looked at their GM, they looked at their owner, and they said, okay, we're, we're, we're disconnected right now. We've got to get reconnected again because if you don't have an owner and you don't have a GM and coach that are that – are, are, if they're not connected, you will not have a great team in the long run, a team that's not connected not connected at the top, will crumble at the bottom.
1: John Gordon with us, the great author and speaker. Uh, he's got a great book out. It came out this summer, The Coffee Bean. Uh, it really is fascinating about, and it, and it is about, is, is it not about Damon, Damon West? Is he the guy that did the book with you, the story about this guy becoming a meth addict?
0: We did it together. He actually wrote a, a, an autobiography called The Change About His Life. The Coffee Bean is an analogy that he learned in prison from a fellow prisoner that said, look, prison is like a big pot of boiling hot water. When that carrot is put into hot water, it gets weakened. When that egg is put into hot water, it gets hardened. You don't want to be the carrot. You don't want to get weakened. You don't want to be the egg. You don't want to get hardened and get that harder, bitter you know, heart. You don't want to get all tattoos and join a gang in there. You want to be like the coffee bean that transforms the environment you're in. You have to transform prison. Don't let prison transform you into something bad, into something you're not. And so he decided he was going to make an impact in prison. He was there for seven years. He was addicted to meth, burglarizing homes. He got 65 years in prison, but he gets out in seven because of good behavior, gets on parole, and now he's out for the last three years. He's speaking to Alabama, Georgia, Clemson. Dabo Sweeney actually told me about him and his message. That's how I heard about the coffee bean. I said, man, that's a great message. I, I got to reach out to this guy. This should be a book. I googled. There was no book on the coffee bean or this analogy because everyone's dealing with pressure, right? Everyone has expectations. We got all this negativity in the world, and this is a story about being a coffee bean, transforming your environment, not allowing all this stuff to impact you. And uh, so, yeah, Damon and I did it together. We haven't even ever met in person. We talked on the phone. Right. We, we had a great conversation. We actually wrote the book, came up with the idea, what we're going to write about. It's a 20-minute read, and it really is helping a lot of teams and organizations to be
1: coffee beans. Well, how did you, like, I mean, honest to God, how do you, like, uh, that, that's brilliant on your part, honestly, to figure out that there's an idea here. There's a something that I can turn this into, this story of this guy in prison uh, and, and make it fascinating and, and make it a, a New York Times bestseller. What in God's name prompted you to do a book about some guy addicted to meth? I mean, it's just crazy, but it's brilliant.
0: Yeah, well, it's not brilliant on my part. I think I just saw that this was a message that needed to be told. I have been sharing a lot with professional and college athletes talking about inside out, right? The power is not outside. The power is inside. And even uh, like Russell Westbrook, when I was at Oklahoma City Thunder and I'm there and I was talking and they said, you know, what has a bigger impact on a team? Home field advantage in baseball or home court advantage in basketball? And I said, neither. When you know the outside just no- is noise, you create inside out. That's where the power is. You know, that's how you have the impact from your spirit, your passion, your joy, your love. That's how you create. Russell said, that's what I think. He said, most of the guys in the league believe in. Home court advantage. He goes. I know it isn't true. I just go do what I do and play my game. And the point was, when I when I heard the coffee beat, I realized that is the perfect analogy to share the inside out message. So I knew it was something special.
1: John Gordon, with uh, us. So of all your uh, of all your books that uh, have been so successful, um, you know. Uh, which one has been, been your favorite like uh, that that like meant the most to you and that changed your life the most? Because all of them have been so fascinating. Which one did you like the most?
0: Well, Energy Bus has changed my life the most because it has sold the most and allowed me to really get into the most teams and organizations. But I would say probably the most special is definitely training camp, which is about an undrafted rookie trying to make it in the NFL, and he gets injured and and has to learn the winning habits that separate the best from the rest. And he has to overcome his, his fear, find his faith to become all that he's meant to be. And I just love that because I think it's the journey that we all have to go on, mm-hmm. to overcome our fear to become all that we are meant to be in this life and on this journey, whether you're an athlete or, or someone in, a, in, a, in the professional world. We'll all have to deal with that. So for me, I think that's the most special. Damian Lillard actually read that book twice He read it twice before his rookie season, reached out after his rookie season and said it really helped him realize how hard he would have to work to make it in the NBA to see the success he has had. I know it wasn't an accident. He put the time and effort in to work hard and and, and really be great.
1: So, uh, John, let me ask you about, uh, you know, West Point is uh, uh, just, you know, it's iconic. And uh, it's a place that people have no idea what goes on there. But my thing is, when you went there, how did that work out for you? Because, you know, these people, let's just face facts, they don't take advice too well up there. They they, they call their own <laughs> shots. They make their own rules up there. They they run things their way. They don't, like outsiders. I've seen the Yankees go in there and spend a day with them and, uh, you know, play baseball with the guys and, and things of this nature and uh, be close to the cadets and, and, and see what it's like to live their life there. That had to be a, a, an unbelievable experience for you and that they let you in there to do your thing, uh, is that not about accurate? I mean, it would seem strange for them to like open their doors to the outside because they don't really listen to anyone.
0: It was It was a huge honor, and they are a leadership factory. They said that the history we teach is about the people we have taught. Think about that. The people who have gone to West Point literally have created history that they now teach. So Going there, definitely very humbling, and I, I even asked them, like, what can I share that, that they have, haven't heard before? Like, this is the place where leadership is developed. Like, I felt almost, like, unqualified. Like, what do you want me to share? They said, John, we need positive leadership. Like, we need to, you know, even though we know leadership, we get down. We allow circumstances and events to, to challenge us. So we really want you to talk about positive leadership. And a lot of our, our young cadets, you know, they are just developing as a leader. So speak to them like you would any other group because they need to hear these messages as well. And I, I think we're moving in a place where even the military is looking for ways to enhance collaborative leadership, to get people to work together in teams and become stronger teams. And here's the key. You'll never have commitment, commitment without connection. So when we talk about how, how to become a connected team, to become a committed team, I believe that's for everybody.
1: All right, so I gotta fly to uh, L.A. on uh, what is it, Carver High next Thursday morning at like six AM. I gotta go get uh, I gotta get one of your books because I like to read a book when I fly uh, across country. I told you I read Tillman's book when I read a, uh, flew to Vegas a couple weeks ago. Uh, which one should I read? Do you think Energy Bus, Training Camp, the uh, Positive uh, Leadership book? Which one do you think I should uh, go get before I go on my trip, John? Give me the juice.
0: I think the power of positive leadership. If you just, you know, if you're interested in Dabo and Sean McVay and Dave Roberts, who I've worked with with the Dodgers, right. and just, you know, just understanding like their leadership style. Alan Mulally, who turned around Ford when he was a leader in 2006 and they were losing 14 billion dollars. I mean, really, just cool stories like that of these leaders and how they've led and. Again, talking about it's not Pollyanna positive, right? It's it's the real optimism
1: and belief that allows us to turn around organizations and teams. So last question, John. Uh, I'm a Pirate fan my whole life. I'm from Pittsburgh. And uh, when you walked out of there after you spoke with the Pittsburgh Pirates yeah. and you got in your limo, did you drive away and think, let me just ask this, Christ, that team's never going to win. And then, end quote, or was there like a more positive thing going on there? Because we haven't won in like 100 years, and I'm about done with it. Like, what did you – when you walked out of that building, <laughs> what did you think of that bunch of losers? Well,
0: I never think that, but I, I do love Clint Hurdle. And that organization is really great about building a culture. I was there a few years. They were having some success, and they were on the cusp, right? And and um, I just – yeah, I, I think that – They got great people in the organization.
1: That they're about to fire
0: all of them. Sometimes you need talent to win, right? (laughs) Sometimes it's also about talent. Like No matter how positive we are, you got to have talent. Working with the Miami Heat, great culture, amazing people. But if you don't have, like, the guys that are, are, are top in the league, you're not going to be great no matter what you do. The fact that they were uh, almost a game away each time they make the playoffs the last few years, that says a lot given how much they were they were doing. Pirates, I understand your frustration. I, do, I would love to see them do better knowing Clint.
1: Yeah, I like Clint Hurdle a lot. I think uh, he might be doomed, though, with everything that's happened. John Gordon, great stuff. Check out uh, all of his books and certainly The Coffee Bean, and you can check out – uh, every other book he's done, he's got an incredible cache. The uh, Energy Bus Training Camp. You win in the locker room first. Power, positive leadership. Power, positive team. John, a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on the bench. I appreciate your kind words about my days in Atlanta. Thanks for uh, coming on CBS Sports Radio. Continued success, my friend.
0: Thanks. Huge fan, and this was just a highlight of my life to be on with you. Thanks so much. You're the man,
1: John Gordon, the great author, New York Times bestseller. Check out the coffee bean in bookstores. You're listening to Pharrell on the bench. All right, eight five five two one two four CBS is the number to get on the bench. Did you see the end of that uh, Tulane game? How crazy was that? How do you give up that play if you're Hold Houston? Uh, the the fake play and then the uh, the winning touchdown. Like they threw a like a, what a twenty yard pass. Guy caught it and three guys missed him tackling him, and a guy uh, broke free and ran into the end zone to win the game. Unbelievable. How bad are you? You're three seconds away from overtime and you let that play happen. I mean, what were they at, about the 40-yard line when he threw it and this guy caught it at about the 25 or something and then ran in? Unbelievable. Just terrible defense by Houston. Awful. I mean, honestly, how bad was that?
2: I don't know whether it's penalty flags or whether it's just trying to show people up or whatever, but we, we talked about it before in earlier weeks. Uh, I think on the Thursday night football game last week, we were talking about it with the Panthers. On that play right there with Tulane, you see, like, no one wraps up anymore and actually tackles anybody. They just try to knock you down with, you know, the momentum, and that's it. Like, you got to wrap your arms around the guy and put him on the ground.
1: Right. I I thought – and how about the trick play that they got suckered into? That was just bad.
2: Yeah. I mean, we fake kneel and hand it off to the guy. It's one thing if you're – you know, trick play is going to get some yards. Maybe you're not expecting that, but that he gets all the way outside the defense and gets, like, another 20 yards.
1: I mean, you just—they had listen when you're up twenty-eight-seven, and then you let them come all the way back, tie the game. Then you let them kick a field goal. The guy barely makes it by an inch over the over the uh, you know, uh, flat, you know the pole, the goal post. It went right over the top of it. You couldn't tell if it was in or not. It was just right over it, so you just gave it to him, right? I guess that's good. And then you go down and get to the, like, two-yard line, and you can't punch it in, and you have to kick a field goal and tie it. And then you give up those two plays? Like, why even go on the trip? I mean, you just went and roasted a game away with your stupid plays. They they butchered that game. Houston should have won that game, and they just gave it to him the entire way. From halftime on, they just gave it to him.
3: Not a good start to the Holgerson era in Houston. Of course, lost last week at home to Washington State, got blown out by Oklahoma in the first game. And now tonight, you gotta beat Tulane. I'm sorry. You're Houston, you're Holgerson, you got you're trying to get going here.
1: They weren't even favored you in can't, that game. You can't lose now I had Tulane, right? I know
3: they weren't favored. That's Tulane. even
1: worse. But do you remember when it opened up, Mafia? I had it at like minus one and then and then it went to five. Why remember it went to five? From like one or two, right? it was like minus two originally when I put it up
2: All right when you when you looked at it Sunday when they first came out for some reason the, that line shifted heavy in the first couple of days right of the week. it went
1: from like one to five, yeah, and then i I bid on the five, right, but tonight you're saying I went uh eight of nine in baseball seven bets. Nine baseball seven of eight I thought there was nine games, oh maybe there's one going on right now, I don't know.
2: Uh, oh, you were 8 of 9.
1: 8 of 9. I went 8 of 9 in baseball bets, and then I hit the Jaguars to win and the uh, getting 1.5, so the double cover there, and I hit Tulane to win and then had them at minus 1, and then it, when it went to 5, I bit on that like a fish, and I uh, took the 5. I thought it would middle for sure because I thought it was going to overtime and that one of them would, like, win by a field goal or something. But uh, either way, Tulane gets the win down at uh, that old Tulane Stadium where they've had three Super Bowls back in the day. You remember? I remember when the Steelers beat the Vikings there in the Super Bowl.
0: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it.
1: You're listening to Pharrell on the Bench. I mean, what do you need to know? Pharrellonthebench.com is the best handicapping service uh, in the world. That's just all there is to it. You can think whatever you want. You can hate me all you want. Do whatever. Uh, Have a sandwich. Eight of nine in baseball tonight. A 2-0 NFL. Hit the Jags to win and getting one and a half, and I split the two-lane game. I hit the uh, wave on the money line and lost that five on the spread. But listen, I mean, what do you need to know? (laughs) What do you need to know? I mean, do I hit enough games for you? Do I hit enough bets? Do I make you enough money? com. Sign up. If not, you're an idiot. I mean, honestly. Let's just get real about it. I mean, all I do is make people fat stacks. That's it. Boom. You don't like it? Go to bed. How about this Gardner Minshew? Uh, he really is unbelievable. I mean, this is, is this even happening? Is this like some kind of dream we're in? A dream state? Because this guy was playing at... at You know, Washington State for Mike Leach. There's no one on the face of the earth that would have thought he would be some starting quarterback in the NFL. Or that, he you know, this kind of fell in his lap. Foles breaks the clavicle. They bring in Minshew. And I think he's been uh, spectacular. I mean, all things being equal. uh, in you know, the the previous games, uh, they lost. And, you know, uh, I guess in the Houston game. They lost 13-12, but he was 23 of 33 for 213 yards uh, and threw a touchdown, no picks, got sacked four times. And then um, what was it? Uh, it you know, in the, in the game against Kansas City, he went 22 of 25 for 275 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, got sacked once, had an unbelievable rating uh, of 122 and a half. The Houston game, 97.2. Tonight, 20 of 30 for 204, two TDs, no picks, no sacks, a 108.2 rating. I have to tell you, Carver High, the guy uh, has thrown for over 600 yards and uh, in two starts. I mean, the other game he came in. He came in after Foles got injured. You cannot deny... Uh, he's the second quarterback in franchise history with a uh, pass TD uh, in his first three games. He's done all of that. He's already thrown five touchdowns. You got to admit, the guy's been phenomenal. I mean, to this point, people are falling in love with him, too. They, I mean, I don't even know. I won't say when Foles comes back, they didn't pay him all that money to not play him, but they got a problem now because this guy, the fans are falling in love with him.
3: Yeah, no, they really are. And it's, you know, he has a lot of personality, too, which is, you know, when you're playing... Like he did tonight, and you win a game, and, and he's been pretty good since he's come in. And then you also have this personality that the guy's got. I right. mean, he's he's a wacky dude. He's fun. Like, it's –
1: He's humble. The fans
3: are going to really get into that because you love that stuff. When You get a guy who – you know, you have great players on your team, like, the you know, the Trouts or the Jeters, but they stand up there, and they just – you know, they give you nothing, and they – you know, they're great players, and you root for them, and you love them when you get a guy who comes in and he's got a little bit of juice, a little bit of personality, you have a little fun watching the guy, and you can tell that he's having fun, you kind of gravitate to those guys as well.
1: So in the middle of all of this, as they're just celebrating Minshew after the game on NFL Network, they've had him on the air for like, you know, a half an hour with his whole family, all of his friends, their friends. They just and want so, to party. I, I mean, mean, it's just, like just a, party. a party. Even Maurice Jones Drew is there partying with him. But uh, in all honesty, uh, the Ramsey thing is hanging over this franchise and in that locker room. Now, he has obviously demanded a trade, but he said it has nothing to do with my teammates. I love them. It has nothing to do with the city. I love it here. Still doing charity work here. Still uh, out with the fans, signing autographs, taking pictures, whatever. I love the city. I love my teammates. It's much uh, more than that. Um, It's the front office and the organization. So he just hates the organization. I mean, how quickly – do they should get rid of this guy as soon as possible. He's like a – you know what he is? He's like a fire. He's like a fire in the clubhouse.
2: Well, especially after the game he just had tonight. I mean, his value just went up even more. You already had the asking for at least one, if not more, first-round picks. The guy had nine tackles tonight. He just became even more valuable because you saw what he can do. Even better than he's done so far this season.
1: Yeah, he had a good game. I mean, how many Nine times a
2: quarterback, a cornerback, have that many tackles? Usually, that's a linebacker or you know defensive lineman. The guy's coming from the outside, getting all these tackles.
1: Do you think? Uh, so now they're saying that they'll get rid of him before the uh, the the Denver game. They play at Denver next, so that it'll happen in the next week, which is kind of throwing darts at the you know donkey's rear end, isn't it? Like oh, it'll happen within a week. Thanks for that update. I saw a reporter tonight saying this deal should happen in the next seven to nine days. Thank, thanks a lot for that. Th- thanks for that. It, what it You insight. mean between
3: now and the next time they play? Yeah, is, like, that, so, is that kind of where so you're this,
1: going? This chick on ESPN said, yeah, a source told her it'd be. Uh, now, listen, I can top it. She said it'll be within the next nine days. And she also reported that uh, Kansas City, Baltimore, Minnesota, Oakland, Philadelphia, and Seattle have all made inquiries and every other uh, team in the league has also called them. She did a great job of covering every single team in the league wants him. What a horrible reporter! Like, I mean, narrow it down a little bit. Not every team in a league, and it'll be and he'll, he'll be traded in the next nine days. Thanks so much for that crappy report you gave us tonight.
2: Well, with the way they played on Thursday night, I and... don't want to
1: say her name uh, in fear of getting sued. Because if you make fun of anyone now, you get sued, don't you? If you make fun of some woman, I'll get sued, won't I? Because she, she's such a crappy reporter. Would that be all right if I made fun of her?
2: They're even I... saying in some of the reports that some of the teams that are interested in him because of them playing on Thursday night. And obviously, the deal not being done because he's playing tonight. Some of them were asking the NFL, like, if we trade for this guy after they play, can he still play for us on Sunday?
1: Wow, that he would play Sunday? They
2: won't. NFL said no. Players have to play one time a week, so he can't. But some teams that were interested were thinking about doing that.
1: No, but everybody else can play twice a week. He can play on Sunday and Thursday, right? <laughs> Everyone else can play twice a week. Remember, don't they have games well, they on Sunday? They play Sunday, Sunday
2: and, and th- Thursday, but not Thursday and Sunday, apparently.
1: Well, that, that makes no sense. It's, is, is that not just backwards, <laughs> what, what they're doing anyway? Every player in the league has complained about the Thursday night games, have they not? I'm not complaining tonight, hitting both ways, uh, Jags to win and getting the one and a half. Michael in South Carolina, you're on CBS Sports Radio.
0: Hey, Scott, how you doing, man? Hey,
1: Mike. Hey, Scott, big game Saturday, Camp Michigan, went on the road and beat Wisconsin. Carver, I think so. Uh, He's betting on Michigan to win that game at Camp Randall. And uh, I think Wisconsin can beat him. I really do. You know, if they pound the rock with Taylor all day and Michigan can't stop that guy, uh, Wisconsin can very well win that football game. Now, the number went from three to three and a half. I got it at three. I don't... uh, Three and a half, you start getting a little sketchy there, that hook, because that could very well be a field goal game. I have this weird feeling it won't be. Um... One of the things that's been interesting for me over the years is how little respect Wisconsin gets, uh, frankly, in their college football program. I mean, you know— you don't hear anyone ever saying they're, in, they're afraid of Wisconsin, right? Or that they're, you know, this highly ranked team that covers or they, you know, they win on a road. They win, you know, they play for Big Ten titles and everything else. But they do. They do all of that. They do everything. They win big games. They crush teams. They've destroyed Miami a couple times. Not that they were good or anything, but they they have beaten anyone that you put in front of them. And I, they get no respect. Uh, in, frankly, if you think about it, Wisconsin – has had so much success in my opinion over the last 10-15 years and I think more than Michigan Michigan has failed every single year I mean one after the next they have flopped and lost to Ohio State what 14 out of 15 years I mean if you lose to Ohio State every year your season's a, a waste of time isn't it isn't that what they say in Ann Arbor if you lose to Ohio State you had a crappy year well they lose to them every year so don't tell me Michigan's better than Wisconsin because Wisconsin's been the one winning all the big bowl games and playing in Big Ten championship games. Have they not? So I, they get no respect at all. And I think they're, I, frankly, I think they're a better football program these days than Michigan. And I think they have been for a while. And that's just all there is to it. Now, I think Michigan, you know, could go up there and win the game. I'm not saying that they can't win the game. I'm just not, I'm not feeling it. I'm really not. So what do I know? I think uh, Wisconsin, that guy Taylor's a bad mother for eller. I'm telling you what, have fun trying to tackle him all day because they'll run it down your throat.
2: And those guys on the, the offensive line, like that team always comes in with a strong running back and you know that's going to be the focus of their game and still they just get guys that are just so big and strong in that offensive line that they're going to do it to you anyway. You can low up the box. They're still going to run it down your throat all day and there's nothing you can do about it.
1: Leonard Fournette had six catches in that game. I thought uh, he looked good, and he carried it 15 times for 66 yards. I thought he had uh, a good night, a a lot of uh, plays, and he had quite a load. So uh, I haven't seen him look really good in a couple years, right? He's been injured so much, and I think he's been ineffective. But I thought tonight he did a lot for him. I mean, nothing was staggering, but... You know, he ran the ball 15 times and he caught six passes. I thought he had a big piece of that game tonight, to be honest with you. Well,
2: they talked a lot coming into the season about how he recommitted to the team, lost, we dropped like 20 pounds, that he's the lightest he's been since he came in the NFL and that he actually wants to play football again. Like, he was checked out last year, it seemed like. He was heavy. He just didn't care. So, it's a big difference for him this year. And you were talking about Minshew before. I mean, we talk about the numbers and how good he is, but his numbers should have been even better tonight, like you talked about. That Westbrook should have been touchdown, right in his hands in the end zone. Right. There were a bunch of other ones where he threw it to guys and they went to go move too quick because they're not a great team and these guys aren't top-level talent that they're moving before they really have the ball in their hands and drop it. You should add another couple completions and at least another touchdown.
1: Uh, I agree with that. I thought uh, some of the play. I said before, I thought Westbrook's drop in the end zone was embarrassing. I mean, you know his teammates are making fun of him in the locker room after his drops, like butterfingers. Uh, I have to ask you though. Uh, I thought Marcus Mariota. Now he slung it forty times, uh, twenty three of forty uh, for three hundred four. Don't be fooled by the numbers. He was terrible. He sucks.
3: Let's just let's just flat out lay it on the line here. That guy is never going to get it done in this league, ever. And I'm not just basing that off tonight. He was horrible tonight, like you just said. I'm basing that off the last couple of years. He's been horrible. He's either hurt or he sucks. It's never anything else.
1: He was 19-28 against the Colts for 154 yards. That's embarrassing. And I took the Colts in that game to win in Smashville. That was a great bet. And then he loses tonight. And in the Cleveland game that they won, he was actually uh, 248. He was... 14 of 24 so he was he, he's literally been stinking it up at around 57 58 percent completions this year and I got to tell you if you're throwing at 58 uh, in the NFL you suck I mean honestly there's guys throwing 78 80 percent guys like you know that that are just that complete every pass they throw practically and then this guy he's just he's, he's completing barely over half of his passes
2: we talked to Ballpark Franks about it before the season started, how they brought in Tannehill to kind of push him and let him know, like, there's finally someone behind you that can take your job. Not that Tannehill had a lot of t- success in Miami, but that he's actually a legit backup. He might be taking over the reins at some point this season. They're going to draft somebody. I'd play him next week. Uh Tannehill. I'd play Tannehill
3: next week. That guy is no good. Honestly, when they win their football games lately, the last couple of years. It's because of Henry. It's, well, either their running game or their defense. Their defense won the game in Cleveland in week one. Right. The Browns committed a thousand penalties. They had a couple pick sixes off of Mayfield. He kept throwing him the ball. Their defense and the and the stupidity of the Browns won them that game in Week One. These last two weeks, their offense has been
1: garbage. But you don't think that they have the onions to to bench him? They after don't. Of three course, games. they don't. They don't have the him. onions to bench him. They're going to play, play, play
3: him. I'm saying I would play Tannehill next week.
1: Now you know how they are. I'm surprised because they go and I bet against them tonight and and won, but. You know how they go from winning to losing to winning to losing to winning to losing? They have a good game, bad game, good Who game. Who are they to...
3: playing next week?
1: Uh, next week they play at the Falcons. Well, that's
3: that's exactly what I'm talking about. They win a big game in Cleveland, then they lose a couple games that you think they're going to win, and everybody will bet the Falcons next week off of these two Titan games. Right. You watch. They'll go down to Atlanta and win like a 20-17 to 17 game. That's what they've done for the past couple right. of years. They always do it. I'm I can't believe I'm saying this because I just said how much the guy sucks. Their run game and their defense will win him a game in Atlanta next week.
1: Yeah, and I think the penalties and sacks uh, really hurt them tonight. I mean, that uh, their offensive line got uh, just totaled by the Jaguars. And it was just, uh, you know, a party down in Jacksonville tonight. And they needed that because that was their first win. So now everybody's got a win in that division. That's it. Houston's one and one, Indy one and one, Jacks one and two, Tennessee one and two. So,
2: and they had a chance at having more last week. If they go and kick the extra point and go to overtime, they had a lot better chance to win that game. They could have beaten Houston, but instead, Road made the dumb decision, and now they're only one and two. They could be leading that division right now.
1: You mean the Jags? Yeah, yeah. They blew that game.
2: They they won tied it up. All they do is kick the extra point and then go into overtime. They yeah, went for two. They went for they two lost. and right up the middle, and they didn't get it.
1: So, do you, have, do, you, uh, do you got a problem with Doug Marone going for two and going for it, and then they come back and win? So, I mean, at least they're going for it. Like, what, what do they have to lose besides nothing? They don't matter. Even
2: tonight, they went for it on, like, fourth down when they're up 23. Kick the, the field goal, then you're up by more than two scores. Instead, he takes the risk and doesn't get it.
1: All right, we go to the uh, third hour, the Billy Idol Hour of Love, eight five five two one two four two two seven. What games do you want to talk about for Friday